Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of This Week in the Bush League, hosted by the Chief and the Champ. I am the Chief, and during our month-long hiatus, I came up with a surefire way to determine if you have COVID virus. I <laughs> can't wait to hear that. And I am the Champ, and I heard that there's actual rumors that the Roosters are going to try and get the 2020 Bush League results overturned. <laughs> I don't know. Is that true? Uh, no. After one November, I move on, baby. I'm on. Okay. <laughs> I'm on to March. Hey, so what's going on with uh, what, what are these? Uh, what are you talking about here at your opening here? Right. So uh, a couple things that I want to talk about in my opening. One is the surefire test I've developed to determine if you have COVID virus. Now we're getting into the cold and flu season, right? So people are going right. to get cold and flus. They're going to sneeze. They're going to get slight fevers. Uh, they're going to have aches and pains. But the common thing with this COVID that, that makes it, I should say, makes it different than the cold and flu is the sense of taste and smell, right? That, that, okay. that, that's what you need to determine I mean, because people are going to get colds and flus here. So in order to test for your taste and smell, what I came up with is you take an anchovy, right? An anchovy? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. You dip it into cat urine, eat it. If you can't taste or smell that, stay the hell home. Because I'm pretty sure what? you have COVID. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, my. I, That's a surefire test. I don't know what to say there. Right? If you can't uh, taste or yeah. smell that, stay home. I'm pretty sure you do not have the cold or the normal flu. You have the COVID virus. So there you okay, go. Okay, so it has to be cat urine. Is that your saying? Uh, I think because that's a bad smell. I think that's a really, that's a really bad smell. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's, all right. it's strong. What, what, what about two hours after uh, eating asparagus? If you can't smell anything. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Asparagus. You don't like asparagus? No. It, well, I, I guess this doesn't affect everybody. But uh, you you eat asparagus, right? I love asparagus. Okay. You, you don't notice anything after you uh, go to the bathroom two hours later? Like, no. there's no smell? No. No. Really? No. Okay. All right. I guess it doesn't affect you. <laughs> did you notice our new theme song? I, I did. Okay. So what's, what's behind? That's, that's the theme song from, uh, from Dallas, right? That's right. Christy and I are watching. We started watching Dallas on Prime from season one, episode one. Because we never watched it as we were kids. So it really wasn't. I never watched it. I, I knew it. I knew it was big in our pop culture growing up, but I never understood any of the plot or anything. I knew Jr. was, but that was it. So we started watching it. We're up to season six. You know, there was 13 seasons of that. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. So, how, so how has it held up over time? You know, because we're talking about yeah. something that was in the, uh, the 70s, right? So it started in 78, and we're into 82 or 83 right now. Um yeah, hairstyles are much different, um, and there are some uh, social behavior in that show that is not normal now, like smoking while you're pregnant, drinking while you're pregnant, <laughs> having an affair with a high school student. Yeah, that's all in there. So, um, yeah, there are some social things that you're like, ooh, that's not normal, but... Uh, for the most part, you know, it's greed. Greed holds up over any any generation, right? 
Uh, right? Yeah. There's there's three basic human emotions, greed, fear, and greed. So uh, <laughs> I guess that would be the third greed. Hey, I, I did kind of a similar thing. Um, I found on YouTube the first season of The White Shadow. Do you remember that oh, show? Oh, love The White Shadow. Love yeah. it. Yeah. So it was only, only the first season that I found on there. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I, amazingly, this show came on in 1978 or 79. Okay. And the topics that it had at that time were, 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 were pretty heavy-hitting for, for the late 70s yeah. on, on national TV. Yeah. Carver High School, right? Carver High School, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's kind of cool. I'll, maybe I'll look for that. I like yeah, shows on like YouTube. That. YouTube. All right. Yeah, you can find anything YouTube. on YouTube, man. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. Um, so you had a good Thanksgiving. It's been over. It's been about a month since we've seen each other or talked. Yeah, to each other. yeah. Just yeah. just for our show dating today is uh, the the twenty ninth. Recording this on November 29th, Sunday, um, uh, right around noontime. And yeah, Thanksgiving was good. Beautiful day out. The weather has just oh, been yeah. uh, has been fantastic. So we were able to uh, socially distance while we were eating. Got to go outside a little bit and. You know, open the windows and it's it's been good what about you yeah same thing we had the kids here um spent some time outside we, we had like a little scavenger hunt that we had to do that uh, had to do that we did in the morning um kind of break up the day and uh, yeah we watched some football we watched polar express and it was a good day yeah it was a real good day so um do we, since the last time we've we've been on the air the National League had put out all their awards, right? Yes. Uh, yep. So the Silver Slugger Awards, anything in there surprise you? Uh, we had Arnaud as a catcher, Freeman, Donovan Solano, Machado, Tatis, Acuna, Betts, Soto, and Marcel Ozuna uh, as the DH. Anything stick out? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you kind of look at those, this list, um, just, just the ones that – you probably wouldn't expect to be on there. You know, Travis uh, Darno, um, he had bounced around a little bit, and I think he was actually with the Dodgers for, what, a, a couple of days um, this past season? He was. And ended up having a nice season with the Braves. Um, Donovan Solano wasn't – I don't think he was actually drafted in, in the Bush League draft, was he? I think no. he was He was a, a first-week pickup. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah, and nice job by the, uh, the the Giants who had a better year than expected. I think they uh, were in contention until until the last day, and um, and then uh, a bit of a surprise for me is Marcelo Zuna because I watched him uh, the previous two seasons in 2018 and 2019, and um, a little sour grapes. Hitter. Sour grapes. Yeah. Uh, Sour grapes, uh, just a different hitter. I, I think the fact that he was a DH in, in a different ballpark, I think, helped him, and that he also didn't have to carry uh, the team offensively like he did with, in St. Louis. So I think that helped him a little bit. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he had a really good year. Sometimes a change of scenery helps. I mean, who knows? And it was only two months. Like, it, you know, who knows if he could have kept that pace for another four? But yeah, for two months, hey, he, had a, he had a great, but, great season. But, but let's about these other people here because uh, there's reason to believe that the other people that we didn't mention are, are going to be perennial silver sluggers and that's you know freddie freeman at first yep. machado at third yep. tatis at shortstop yep. and then look at this outfield this this could be a starting uh, all-star outfield for the next 10 years uh acuna um Betts, and soto hey bets is older than all of them <laughs> he's yeah. he's the oldest out of those three what's bets 26 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Soto, it, I mean, we've talked about it before. He seems like he's coming into his own here. And it would have been curious to see what he would have done over six months. Um, hopefully we get to see that next year. And, I, yeah, yeah. Soto's got a great swing, man. That, that guy, yeah, he has, it's picture perfect. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, Darno and, and Solano, definitely the, the ones that, that kind of stand out and, you know, good for them. They got off to a hot start and they kept their playing time up and yeah, they hit the ball. Well, um, we got gold gloves. This is a, this is a, uh, an award. I, I mean, I guess you can, I guess they take it out of chances and errors and, uh, put outs and assists and whatnot. Um, but I think there's some bias with, with these awards. I, I think they tend to go to the same people every year. Um, uh, I'm going to disagree with that. Okay. Um, it, 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 in that, um, I, I would have agreed that that was kind of the metrics um, probably before 2000 or 2005 or something like that. But I, I think there are better defensive metrics these days, uh, of which um, I, I can't begin to explain. But if the, the – um, the listeners are interested. Go go to um, I think it's called FieldingBible.com. Uh, it's a baseball website that's devoted to defensive statistics, and they really have in-depth statistics since since 2003. And I, I think they look at it a little bit heavier than than previous. Because I would agree with you that previous it's the same winners all the time. But but let's let's take a look at this list. All right. You know, Tucker Barnhart, um, I think he's won um, Gold Glove before, right? He has. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure about um, Rizzo at first base. He has. Yeah. Um, but some of these guys, if you look at the eye test, these next three infielders, Colton Wong at second base, you know, watching him for the last three years, particularly the last, yeah, the last three, um, he, he is absolutely fantastic. Um, second baseman. Um, free agent now. Um, Arenado, I think that's what you're kind of referring to. That once you win an award, um, you know you're, you're likely to win the Gold Glove again. But but his defensive metrics are so much better than anybody else at that position. And and then Javi Baez. Yeah, I um, in what, the infield. What I when you mention Arenado, that if you've watched this guy play, he's unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I just I mean I'm sure there's guys that are as good as he is, but in my lifetime, I mean Brooks Robinson would would be the measuring stick, right, for the third baseman. But uh, Hernando and Scott Rowland are two that those guys were really good third basemen. They could they yep. could they could make the throw anywhere on the diamond and get to a lot of balls. And yeah, I yeah, him, you just watch him play and you would know that. Uh, <laughs> and I feel the kind of same way about bias. Um when you watch him play, you could he gets to a lot of baseballs. Yeah, and he is so quick. He, he he had probably the best tag application than anybody I've ever seen before in baseball. I'm sorry? He has the best what? In, in terms in terms of applying a tag, he, he's mm. probably quicker than anybody I've ever seen in baseball. Yeah. How yeah, he, He's very smooth. Yeah, very yeah. smooth player. So, so, so the outfield, let's jump to the outfield here in terms of gold gloves. And let, let's start with left field, which I was really surprised. Um, you know, I watched Tyler O'Neill this past year, and, and he played really well. I didn't realize that he was gold glove quality out in left field, which, interestingly, you know, they want him for his bat, and they got him for his gloves now. Um, Trent Grisham for the Padres out in center field. 
Um, he's going to be you – know, that Padres team just looks like they're really loaded. And, you know, Silver Slugger Award winner Mookie Betts in right field. I mean, this guy was probably worth, what, $300 million? Wasn't it over $300 million that they paid him? Yeah. Over yeah. 12 years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think with the outfield, I – I guess I, I'd be interested to kind of look at that book you're talking about that is more metric, has more metrics to, to measure, you know, uh, and differentiate between each of the left fielders or center fielders. But guys who can get the balls, I mean, that's the – I don't care too much about assists, but guys who can get the balls are are, are a big deal. And if you watch baseball – and, and – you watch the Cardinals a lot, just like I watch the Phillies a lot. If you take a ball that's in the gap or in a corner, guys who can keep that to a single, that's that's their value, right? It's not, not so much throwing a right fielder throwing someone out at third. The value is keeping a a borderline double a single, so you keep that double play in order. And yeah, that, that that's what I and I've seen Grisham play too, and he. I don't know if he's Jackie Bradley, but he can get to baseballs. Grisham can. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so check out it, – it's called uh, – the website is Fielding Bible. Um, and they have uh, – I guess their big statistic is defensive runs saved. But there's also fielding statistics called uh, ultimate zone rating. You know, they all try and, and take into account, um, like you're talking about, the range factor where people position themselves – holding people um, from runs, not only fielding balls, but yeah. keeping people from taking an extra base. So, yeah. yeah, if you have a chance, take a look. And, and these are people that look at it in much more detail than, than I ever would. Yeah, I mean, it, that's a good point. It, it, holding people at from taking an extra base, and you look at Winfield and Parker, those guys held a lot of people making that turn from second to third, right? right? There's not yeah. a lot of people yeah. that are going to test that arm. Yeah. So, um, all right, yeah, cool. And then uh, Max Freed as the pitcher, uh, another brave that, that gets this thing. I, I guess I don't I don't know how they I don't know what the metrics are on that. Is I guess he's a good fielder. Uh, yeah, that p- pitching is, is kind of kind of strange. Um, I, I wouldn't even begin to to know where you would even look at. Uh... You know, yeah. What a pitcher does, unless you know, on bunts, does he go to second base as opposed to first base? Not take the easy out. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Take the one hopper and throw it thirty feet to the yeah first baseman as you're running over. Is that, is that how you determine it? I don't know. Um, and then we have the other awards, the individual, uh, the other individual awards. Um, we'll start with rookie of the year, Devin Williams. Any thoughts on him? Yeah. Did you see him pitch, man? He yeah. was he he was light. Out, um, he kind of reminded me of um, uh, geez, Josh Hader. Um, okay, yeah, um, yeah. Was a couple, couple of years before. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think the Brewers have have really struck gold with with Devin Williams, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I want to say that his K's per nine was well into like fifteen, sixteen um, K's per nine. Um, he was almost unhittable. I think he gave up a run his first outing of the year, and then give up a run the rest of the year. He gave up a home run. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. He struck out 53 guys in 27 innings. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's 18 <laughs> Ks per, per nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, yeah. And I think he was the, the standout guy. I thought Alec Baum had a, had a good beginning of a rookie year. He had 160 at bats, hit 338. Um, yeah. I, I thought he had a, he had a nice, 
nice showing um, for the Phils. Uh, again, 160 at-bats. I mean, that's not a lot, but um, I, yeah, I thought he did a good job. Uh, and then we have the manager of the year, Don Manningly. I think this was pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, good for him. I, I thought it would be between him and Jace Tingler um, of the Padres since it was, it was Tingler's first season. But, you know, Mattingly, nobody thought the, the Marlins, I, I had them picked really for, for fifth place, right? Be, be, you know, um, I thought that they would be behind the, uh, the Phillies and the Mets who, who, were, who were kind of disappointing um, this past year. But what he did um, with the Marlins to get them into the playoffs and actually into the second round but also the fact that they were the first team to be put on COVID restrictions, yeah. right? So they yeah. missed, was it 10 days, two weeks, something like that? Yeah. And to get them back into uh, into playoff contention like that, that, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, they he did a good job with them. Again, it's, you know, 60 games, but, um, yeah, he kept them in there. And they hit a little lull um, about halfway through. Yep. But, I mean, he dug them out. He kept them motivated and, and – um, just kind of hung on, yeah. They and they won a playoff series against the Cubs, which is it's kind of cool for them. It kind of validates a little bit, like, hey, we're a pretty good team, right? Yeah. That's, that's so. As a as a Philly fan, are you nervous in a 162 game season um, about the Phillies because they seem to be in a bit of turmoil? You know, the rest of the uh, you know the Mets should be getting stronger because they have some more payroll punch be- behind them now. The Braves are really going to be good. Um, the Marlins are coming on. Um, the, the Nationals um, may return to form. Who knows? Um, are, are you concerned as a Phillies fan? Yeah, I, I've been concerned for the past couple of years. I don't. I don't think we have the pitching to deal with. Um, I, I think we have a lot of holes. Pitching is is one of them. That bullpen needs to be addressed. I thought they did a good job adding Zach Wheeler last year. Um, he, he had a, he had a good year. He got some, I think he got one Cy Young vote, like, I don't know, fifth place vote or whatever. Um, Noel is a decent pitcher. They're going to hang on to Eflin, but that, that bullpen needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed immediately. And they still don't have a center fielder and they still don't have a left fielder. The, their catcher is a free agent who they didn't try to extend. Um, their shortstop Gregorius is a free agent. So I, they got a lot, they got a lot of holes to include Reese Hoskins, who's getting worse every year. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm concerned about them. I I think <clears throat> the only good thing I I feel good about is I feel like Girardi's a good manager, and he's been around the block a little bit, um, and I feel like he knows who's good and who isn't, and and has some juice to go to an owner or a GM and say. Yeah, we need to make a move, or I'm gonna tell you we're gonna finish ten games back, fifteen games back. I he has some juice. I don't know if Gabe had the juice to say that, and you know what I mean, and to really get any movement. But um, yeah, they, I guess it'll see who they hire as a general manager as well. Uh, that, that's gonna be a big thing. And they they had no farm why, system, man. They, why don't you t- why don't you toss your name in the ring? What <laughs> if a general manager? No. Yeah. No. I don't think so. I told you to trade for Carlos Correa. The guy was a dog. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they need they need someone to to build their farm system back up. The the last good guy was Sixto Sanchez, and he plays on the Marlins. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned about them. All right. Um, 
And then we have uh, our man Trevor Bauer winning the Cy Young. You think it was even close? Uh, no, it. I, I, I don't think it, it, it was. Um, I, I, I still have some doubts, though, with, 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 with Trevor Bauer. Um, I'm sure he doesn't have any doubts about himself. <laughs> it's just that, you know, it, it was a great 60-game season, but, but I don't know if he's really done it. Did he do it one year in, in his career? Yeah. Um, one full year? Yeah. Yep. He, yeah, he's he's a 500 pitcher, but um, he, had, he had a heck of a year this Well, he had a uh, – how yeah. many starts? Did he? he had 11 starts. So, 11 starts, he was 5-4 and four with a 173 ERA. Um, yeah. He had a he had a, he had a good year, and I think it was more consistent than Darvish. It was more consistent than Freed. It was more consistent than anyone in the league, actually. Because right? Freed got out yeah, to that seven zero start. I think he should have won the award. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting, right? Uh, this this free agent year, with the fact that th- there wasn't a, a lot, there wasn't any gate revenues for major league teams, and what's going to happen? You know, I'm not sure sure this is a great year to to be a free agent. Um, so, should be interesting to see what uh, what baseball does, and particularly with um, with um, Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I, I don't think he's probably worth the money that he's going to be asking. Um, yeah, and they're not going to pay him big money. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a yeah he's a good pitcher. I don't think, yeah, but I agree with you. He had better years than Darvish, Degrom, Freed. Definitely more consistent. Definitely more consistent. Um, and then we got uh, our MVP, Freddie Freeman. Uh, yeah, this guy is as a hitting machine, man. Um, I don't think there was any doubt that he was the most valuable player in the National League this year. You know, good for Freddie Freeman, too, because if you remember, back in in, in March, he contracted COVID, and he said he was pretty he was pretty sick yeah. from that. And yeah. good for him for recovering and coming back so strong, because there's, there's, you know, anecdotal evidence that there are a lot of players that, that may have had it during the year or had it, you know, in, in the preseason, and, and they just weren't themselves, which, you know, just goes to show you that the, the, this virus affects people in, in all different ways. Yeah, and and I, I think at one point he was thinking about not playing. You know, yeah. I think that was the talk. And, um, yeah, and, and really this is a normal year for him, right? 26, I mean, he would have had more homers than in RBIs, but, um, yeah, he, he he's better than what people – like this isn't a surprise to me that he ever won an MVP, whether it be 162 games or 60 games. He's definitely someone that can that can win the MVP. Um, I inter- agree. Interesting note: uh, Yaz finished eighth in the MVP voting. Yay, our boy. Yeah, Mike Yastrzemski. Yeah. So uh, yeah, finished eighth. He ended up with a yeah good year: ten homers, thirty five ribs, almost forty runs scored, and two ninety seven average. All right, so I'm predicting he's going at least a buck seventy to two dollars in the Bush League draft in 2021. Okay, and you're talking about just coming up normally, right? I'm, I'm telling you, if I get the, do I have the first pick? Do I do I do I do I bid well, first? Well, well, you you would have the first pick in the reserve round. Oh, you yeah. know, this is That's assuming right. yeah, this yeah, is yeah. assuming a normal baseball season. You know, if we yeah. have if we have a draft. Um, 
or excuse me, an auction, um, and somebody brings him up, I'm saying he goes somewhere between you know a buck seventy and two dollars. Now, obviously, that's predicated upon right. you know where in the draft he, he's nominated. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other big news is Kim Ang hired as a, the Marlins general manager, first female general manager. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere, and, and, and good for baseball, and, and more so um, Derek Jeter just being progressive. Um, you know, you and I talked um, before the show. She's been in baseball. She actually started um, as an intern back in 1990, was it 1991, in yeah. the White Sox organization, yep. and has, has been in different organizations such as uh, the Dodgers, where she knew Don Mattingly, and she was in the Yankees organization, where she knew Derek Jeter, and um, good, good for the Marlins for doing this. You know, they're taking a step forward. And, um, you know, I, I like they're building their farm system um, up. Um, I like what the Marlins are doing. Yeah, I, I, I think that the first step was to get rid of Stanton, get rid of that $300 million deal, and can kind of start over. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in the next five years how good this team can be. Yeah. Of course – you know they're a small market, and every five years they're gonna ha- they 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 need to look at how Oakland, um, and how Tampa run their run their organizations because that's kind of how they're gonna have to be. I mean when they, they, like they're not gonna sign big long term deals um, as their players develop and become free agents. They're just not gonna not gonna sign them. So um, yeah, I I think it's good. I mean, I mean what was what they were doing for the past twenty five years really wasn't working other than twice. Um, so. so let's talk about that for a second, though, um, because um, my guess is is that the Marlins really need to move out of Miami. Is, is there really any reason that they need to stay in Miami? Um, they, they got their new stadium and, and still nothing. You, you look at franchises like Oakland, who, who is, has probably the worst stadium, and the second worst stadium is probably Tampa. And, you know, those are two teams that, you you say a small market team should should pattern themselves after it should be those two teams and if those two teams were able to get new stadiums things could might be a little bit different they might be able to get a little bit more revenue and, and draw some free agents expand you know their their budgets and scouting and international scouting um, I I just think that the Marlins need to move out of Miami what do you think Yeah that's probably true it's maybe they'll maybe they'll go back to Montreal I mean Montreal it's kind of making a, you know, a showing again about getting Major League Baseball back there. Um, I, I, a new stadium, an old stadium. If fans fans aren't going to go based on a stadium, they're going to go based on if the team's any good. So that's 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 really good. Yep, yeah. That's so really I mean, I, I think they've kind of surmised that people in Miami don't go to baseball games on a regular basis, and maybe they should maybe they so, should think about Montreal. You ready for my prediction here? Uh, I'm saying that in the next two years, baseball expands to, to 32 teams, um, adding another team to each league. And, and, and I think they do this um, because they need to generate revenues that they lost this year. That's, oh. I haven't read that anywhere. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that this is their next attempt besides, you know, the gambling and their affiliations with, you know, things like uh, – um, uh, I forget what those those websites, um, those betting websites are. But um, 
I think that's the next thing for baseball to draw some significant revenues. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and that, that you very well could be right. I think there's too many teams in the league now. Um, but, yeah, you, you could be right because they could charge the entrance fee. Yeah, and make up for this year. Yeah, I think it's kind of short-term thinking. But, yeah, they could do that. Yeah. Well, don't, don't most major – you know, if you look at the quote for major sports – um, sports leagues don't almost all of them have 32. Uh, I, forgive me, I, I don't really know in terms of football. And football, uh, I think, has 32, right? Hockey's moving to 32. What, what about the NBA? Yeah, they probably have 32 teams. Okay. But the so, NBA, so, you just so need you go. one good guy. <laughs> you just need Say one. What? In the NBA, you only need one really good guy, and you can, you can get people in the seats. In baseball, you better good have point. more than one good guy. I mean, that's, that's well, okay. So, so what this goes hand in hand with, I, I, I should say, for for baseball, is not only looking at expansion, but probably um, cutting the minor leagues. You know, they'll probably cut out a single A um, league. Um, you know, who knows how much they're going to have in terms of rookie leagues. Um, I, I think that's going to get cut. The minor leagues are going to get uh, going to get whacked pretty significantly, I believe. Yeah, that that's probably true. I mean, you look at all the. Uh, professional baseball players and, and the percentage of those that get to the major leagues and the percentage of those who stay is very low. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to look at the draft every year. Yeah. It's, it's very low that someone's going to make the major league. Yeah. And they, they, they could go play in Lancaster in these independent leagues and still get seen. You know what I mean? It's, and it's the yeah. same mm-hmm. type of, same type of competition. So, all right. That's it. Yeah. That's a really good point. I never, or thought about it. That that would increase some revenue for them immediately to get back what they lost. Yeah. All right. Um, and then we had other baseball news. We 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 touched on a little bit last last month uh, with this. I don't know. I don't even know how it got on there. This Boa Francona thing. I, I think you you had brought up uh, managing styles, and I oh, think I asked okay. a question to you. Which manager would you have performed better under? And then I think we, we sent it out to, okay. to to the league. Yeah, so uh, I, I definitely said Boa because I, I needed someone like that. What, what, what did you say? Uh, I said Francona. Why? I, I, I didn't need – well, I, 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 I know for the most part what I had done wrong in, in terms of sports. I don't need somebody telling me or breathing in my face and telling me, again, what I need to do wrong. I, I was my own worst. Um, own worst enemy, so I, I probably needed somebody that would you know kind of sit down and just say, "Hey, you might want to think about doing this this next time." Um, I, I don't need somebody reinforcing it in a negative fashion. Okay, all right, and that wasn't—I don't think he reinforced it negatively all the time. I just think his his the way kind of his conversational tone is probably a little bit firmer than than most people, but yeah. I, I get where you're going with that. Um, then we have Bob Freeze. What, what did what did he say? Yeah, so so Bob Freeze texted me, and uh, let me read his uh, his text. He goes, uh, "I would have played better for Boa, um, but I've always loved Boa. I was a players' coach. Uh, I love to win, but making it fun for players was just as important. Because what I had posed to Bob was, you know, he would prefer to play under Boa, but." You know, he coached football for what thirty some years. Yeah, and yeah. What kind of what kind of coach was he? Was he a 
more of a uh, BOA manager style or Fancona? And I guess he was leaning toward Fancona. Was that, was that true? You played under Bob. Yeah, he was more of a. Yeah, he was more of a Francona, but he he could be sarcastic, and that's when you knew that he was annoyed. <laughs> but he wasn't mean, sarcastic. But you, if you could pick okay. up on, you know, people's tone, you would know that. Huh? All right, yeah, I need to get my act together a little bit. <laughs> so, so okay, so so let's differentiate. You know, certainly, you know, people making wisecracks and being funny, that type of thing. Um. McKernan, who we all played under um, at, at ONJ, he, he could be a little bit, uh, you know, sarcastic a yeah. little bit, but it was yeah. always in a good way, I thought. It, it didn't, that didn't bother me at all. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, it didn't bother me. I, but I played for a guy in junior college. I played with Joe, and he was, when he got on you, he got on you. He didn't do it necessarily in front of people, but he would get on me occasionally. And I, I think he, maybe he knew I could take it. Maybe that's why he dealt with me like that. I didn't see him like Probably. that with everyone, but maybe he knew I could deal with it. And yeah. yeah. And I would just sit and listen and self-evaluate. And most of what he was saying was usually right. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I never minded being coached like that. It didn't, okay. I, I didn't take it personally. And I always listen to words. Don't listen to emotion. Right? Just listen to the words the guy's saying. Don't get wrapped up in his facial expression or hand gestures and all that you know, just listen to what he's saying. Don't worry about the emotional part. So, anyway, yeah. Um, and then Bill said Francona? Yeah, I, I think Bill's pretty similar. So, he, you know, he, he was a very cerebral type of player, and uh, he knew what he did wrong. So, he didn't have to be, you know, emphasized. Um, I, I'm going to speak for Bill, but, you know, he can clarify that. But I would have suspected he would have uh, played better under Francona. Um, but, but Rick, I guess, texted you. Um, about who, um, which style, and uh, what did he tell you? So th this is a – he told me this years ago. So Rick – and I, I think we've talked about this before, but he played on a high school team in Northeast Northeast Maryland. It's the high school in Northeast yep. Maryland. Yep, um, So his three years in high school, jun uh, sophomore, junior, and senior, they made the state finals, and they won it twice. Uh -huh. so, so as a sophomore and a senior – that he won his team won the state title as a junior they finished they lost in the championship game so he said i think it was his sophomore year his junior year he's playing right field and they were up big like rick's team was up really big there was a couple guys on base it's late in the game and the guy hits like a, one of those humpback line drives to right field well rick said he he first he was going to pull back just let it drop and then he thought i think i can catch this so he went after it of course the ball gets by him now the <laughs> two runs score there's a guy on third base and he knew what he did so he looks in the dugout and his coach has a baseball bat and is beating the tar out of who he thinks it's rick's cooler like water cooler he's beating it <laughs> he's beating it to smithereens and when he got in from the dugout, of course, the guy got on him and stuff. And his buddy leads over to him. He said, yeah, that you owe me a cooler, man, because uh, our, <laughs> our coaches beat the crap out of mine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he played for a guy like that. Like, I, I can't see Francona just bashing a cooler. I can see Boa doing it. But yeah, uh, he said that guy was, he, he was 
going a thousand miles an hour from the time they hit the practice field to the time it was over. So uh, that is a funny story, though. <laughs> it said, is. Yeah. And it, when he was nice. in right field, he couldn't tell. He, you know, he couldn't tell whose cooler it was until he got in the dugout. And then he realized it's like, oh, mine's right here. <laughs> you know what? For, I, we, we've all been in those situations, right? In, in, in sports, like, well, do I go for it? Do I not go for it? And, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But when you're up big late in the game, you let it drop. Yeah. 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 And he knew that. And he knew it when he would, if you would get him to tell the story, I think as he's approaching the ball, he hit that mark where there's no turning back. And now he's yeah. like, I'm not going to catch it. God, don't let it get by me. And then it did. So, yeah, you get no man's land. Yeah. We'll ask Rick about that next time we see him. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we got, you know, we, we, we brought up this uh, new Hall of Fame wing. We named it the Rooster Wing of guys who probably are not going to make the Hall of Fame but should have a spot, should have a wing in the Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, we were talking about guys like Julio Franco, Jamie Moyer, uh, Mark Belanger. Um, I, I think I brought up Oliver and, and uh, Bill Madlock as well. Um, you know, looking back, yeah, I, Madlock only had 2,000 hits. He probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but I really like the guy. Because he could hit. And I think the same thing about Al Oliver. I just liked him. I just thought he was a cool hitter. Um, and then we we got some we, we actually got some notes on this throughout the month. It, it must have it must have hit a hit a nerve with some people, not a negative way, but just in a conversational way. Uh, so sure. Bob Freeze texted you and said, if Ozzie Smith made it into the Hall of Fame for his defense, then Boa should make it for his defense as well. Right, and that's what he was kind of leaning towards. Yeah, that's that that's what he said. But uh, I, you, you know what? So so I, I kind of tried to look up, and that's where I found Fielding Bible. But but I, I wasn't able to go back as far as the era of Ozzie Smith and, and and Larry Boa to get their defensive metrics. So I, I went on to um, Baseball Reference, which you and I utilize quite a bit. And if you go under the defensive section, under defensive war, which is wins above replacement for defense, yeah. there's nobody even close to Ozzie Smith in terms of defensive war. Um, he's at 44.2 um, defensive war. The next closest person, and, and this is across all positions, is a um, person you had mentioned, Mark Belanger, at right. 39.5. So, so basically, Ozzie Smith is about 10%. Um, head and shoulders defensively above a- any other player. And, you know, just looking at, at Larry Boa, um, Larry Boa is 56. He's at a defensive war of 19.1. Right. So, so I, 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 you know, I, I, obviously I, I tried not to be, you know, because I was a huge Ozzie Smith fan, so I tried not to be a homer on this one. So I'm trying to find some numbers that kind of back up the comparison between Ozzie and, and Larry Boa. Um, but I, I don't think they're in the same defensive class. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't think they are either. Uh, I don't think they're in the same offensive class. Um, when I looked at both of their numbers, uh, I mean, Ozzie Smith had 2,460 hits and 1,250-plus runs scored with 580 stolen bases. So I, I think it was more than just his defense that, that got him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think that was a big part of it. His his defensive 
prowess, but he, offensively, he matured a lot as he grew older and became a really good – he became a really good major league hitter. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, and and Boa has 2,100 hits. Not a th- He doesn't have 1,000 runs. He's got 318 stolen bases. Their average is about the same. So I, I don't think it's, it's, it's close to, to Ozzie Smith. Yeah, I, I, don't, um, I, I understand what Bob was saying. They're, they were the same kind of scrappy type of players. I mean, not not big guys. You know, weren't known for their offense first. It was defense first. But I just think that that that, that Ozzie was 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 um was a better player than than Larry Boa, with all due respect. Yeah, I, I do too. I, and I I mean, I put a note in for myself. I feel that there's probably some sort of bias toward Ozzie Smith why he was elected first ballot. Um, maybe it was, you know, the wizard being on this week in baseball, doing the backflips, playing with three cha- nationally championship sure. teams. Yep. I, and if you look at fielding percentage, he's fifth all time in shortstop fielding percentage. Um, when I say fifth, I mean, guys who've played 16 or more years, you know, it, that's where he ranks fifth. Uh, Boa did other than Belanger did retire as a national league, um, fielding percentage leader. When, when he retired, um, of course, that's one metric how to measure, you know, defensive uh, success. But and then I looked at my guy who I think I don't know why he wasn't a, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, Omar Vizquel. And I just did, did some basic calculations. So Omar Vizquel averaged one error every 14 games, Jay. <laughs> that's pretty damn impressive, man, as a shortstop. So I don't know Absolutely. what his war was, but one error every 14 games. I mean, every two weeks, guy made an error. Um, he had 2,800 plus hits, 400 stolen bases, 1,400 runs, and hit 272. When you look at, I don't know what his defensive war is, but I think it's in the top 10. So, so let's let's let, let's let's deviate for a second. Let's let's talk about that because uh, um, when you look at the the, the top nine, he, he is ninth. In okay. defensive war. Vizquel. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Omar Vizquel at 29.5. He, he is the, the, the ninth highest. And um, of the top nine, seven of the nine are in the Hall of Fame. The right. only two that aren't are Omar Vizquel and Mark Belanger. Correct. Yeah. And, and Vizquel yeah. had 2,800 hits. <laughs> it's yeah. a little different than Belanger. So- so, so yeah. I mean, you're starting to make a case. I mean, if just real quickly, you know, the, the, go, going from one through nine, it's Ozzie Smith, Mark Belanger, Brooks Robinson, uh, Cal Ripken, Joe Tinker, uh, as in Tinker's the ever the chance. Yep. Um, Lu- Louis Aparicio, yep. Rabbit Moranville, yep. Ivan Rodriguez, and then Omar Vizquel. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't think there's any question Omar Vizquel's a Hall of Famer. I, I just I just don't think there's any question. And not even in comparing him to Ozzie Smith, just alone, Omar Vizquel, standing alone, not compared to anyone. I, I just don't see how people don't see him as, yeah, that guy's one of the greatest shortstop of his generation. But, yeah. Um, so we, then we then we got – Bill reached out to us. He reached out to us twice this month. Um, and he's doing a compare – Comparison with Al Oliver, who I mentioned last last month, uh, uh, Pinson. Yeah, Veda Pinson. Veda Pinson, uh, very comparable to Al Oliver. Um, a little, uh, 
averages about 14, 15 points lower, uh, but his hits are right there. His doubles are right there. Um, yeah, RBIs. Uh, yeah, he he's he compares favorably. If you looked at Pinson, hit the first eight years, he was on a pace to make the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. He kind of leveled out. I don't know if it was due to injury or or what, but um, yeah, he kind of leveled out a little bit, and then he kind of disappeared because in the early to mid seventies. He played with Cleveland, California, and Kansas City before they got good. So he kind of yeah. died off a little bit. Um, you know, playing at Cincinnati, he, if he would have been on those big red machine teams, a lot more people would have known him. But they they uh, they traded him prior to that. I I agree with everything you just said there, and I think that was a good comp by Bill. It was a very good comp, and then he came back last night, right at the wire, uh, with Johnny Damon. <laughs> And Johnny Damon, his numbers really surprised me. I had no idea. So he he got twenty seven hundred plus hits. He's only, he's sixteen hundred sixty eight runs scored, man. And that's a lot of runs scored. In, in um, I, I was shocked when, when we looked at the numbers because you know I always considered him one of those crazy guys when he played with the Red Sox, but. You know, prior to the Red Sox, when he was playing with Kansas City, you know, look at some of his, his numbers. But last year in Kansas City in 2000, and I don't think they were a great team in 2000, um, he had 136 he had 136 runs scored. And, yeah, and hit 327. Yeah, that's yeah. 46 stolen bases, and he led the league both in uh, stolen bases and, and runs. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was a little taken back. I, didn't, I knew the guy was a good player. But um, uh, I didn't realize his numbers were like that. So, uh, yeah, it's something to think about. And, 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 and you and I talked offline. I'm not sure if Al Oliver is a Hall of Famer. I, I just say it because I love the guy. And I don't even know why I like him. But I just think, thought he was a cool hitter. Um, and which leads me to, yeah, like Pinson, Johnny Damon. There's other guys out there. Uh, Bernie Williams has got similar numbers. Um Bobby Abreu's got similar numbers. Guys who are all in that 2,700 hit number, close to 300, yep. either has a boatload of doubles or a boatload of runs and stolen bases. Um, yeah, it makes it makes for interesting discussion. Yeah, and uh, and I'll I'll bring it back up when when we walk off. But uh, yeah, I I, th- I think they're they're good ones. The, the only the only one. Uh, the only other note I wanted to make about the rooster wing is I think any Cuban born player, I mean, Cuban born and raised player okay. gets, if they play any length in the major leagues, they go into that wing. They go into the rooster. Wing. <laughs> if you, if you can escape a communist country and come over and play major league baseball, we have to recognize you at some point. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, and the other guy I kicked around was uh, Louis Tion. Just because he was kind of cool. Tion, yeah. El Tiante, right? Uh, not many guys yeah. led the league in wins and, and losses in their, career, in their career and still and still pitched, right? Um, yeah, in fact, he, he came up a, uh, months ago with the Nolan Ryan thing with where he threw 230 pitches or something. Him and Tion pinched it. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that was good. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, that was that was real good. It it 
it makes for great conversation because I didn't realize Pinson and, and Johnny Damon had those numbers. Um, okay, so we have today in baseball history. So November 29th, um, 1957, Mayor of New York City Robert Wagner forms a four-person committee to find replacement for the Dodgers and Giants. Both teams left New York after the 1957 season. Uh, they came up with the New York Mets. Inaugural season 1962, they were 40 and 120 that year. Uh, just a note, the Mets did have a Hall of Famer on the roster. Do you know who it was? Um, I do not. Um, wait, um, Richie Ashburn's not a Hall of Famer, is he? He is. Yeah, he was a veteran. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Richie Ashburn was on that team. That's a good way to okay. wrap up your career, huh? <laughs> Playing on yeah. that team. Um. And in 1962, Major League Baseball owners and player reps agreed to resume the one all-star game per year format. From 59 to 62, there were two Midsummer Classics. Did you, did you have any idea this existed? I, I had no idea. Uh, but I'm sure back in the day, the National League probably won all those. <laughs> yeah, they probably did. And I, I guess you have to skew you know, anyone who made the all-star team between 59 and 62. You're like, well, there was two of them. Hell. <laughs> I might have been. I might have got some votes for that one. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, and then 1976. This is interesting. November 29th, 1976. Reggie Jackson signed a free agent contract with the Yankees because he played with the Orioles for one year. Um, signed a five years, five year deal, approximately 2.7 million dollars, which is it is a steal in today's market. I I just Googled it. You know, 2.7 1976. What's it? So it was $12 million. Um, so in the five-year free agent deal, the Yankees won four division titles, three pennants, two World Series. Jackson finished uh, in the top 10 MVP voting twice, and he was a five-time All-Star. Which leads me to the question, is this the greatest free agent signing of all time? Well, when you wrote that, I'm like, wow, I never really thought of it in, in, in those terms. And I, I would have to say at, at first blush that, that he probably is um, the greatest signing. But I'll, I want to send it out to the listeners, and I'll text everybody as well, is who do you think the greatest free agent signing is and, and put the reasons why. Now, you may say that the greatest free agent signing is somebody that got the the minimum contract or something like that and helped win a World Series or something like that. But I, I, I think Reggie, for the fact that he signed with the Yankees, um, you know, uh, New York's not an easy place to play. And to be able to do that, um, three pennants and two World Series, um, and thrive, and him and Steinbrenner are always going at it, him and Billy uh, Martin always going at it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great pick. He might have played for five managers in those years. <laughs> And Billy Martin was three times. <laughs> we got Martin, <laughs> Martin Hauser, Stump Merrill, Gene Michael, and the other the, uh, the guy who used to pitch for the Indians. I can't remember. I I, I think he might have played for five or six, five or six managers in, in that in that five year contract. <laughs> He's probably thinking, "What the hell did I do? I got I went from Charlie Finley to this." <laughs> so um, the the only other guys I could think of free agent signings. Uh, I thought about Pete Rose with the Phillies in 79 to 83. So they, sure. made, they made three playoffs, two division titles, two pennants and a world series. Um, 
1993, Bonds and Maddox were both free agents. Uh, Bonds signed with the Giants, obviously. Four playoffs, three division titles, and one pennant. Not very... I, I would say that's not a productive signing relative to Jackson. Uh, Maddox signed. Of course, they won 10 division titles, three pennants, and a World Series. I'm not sure it was all Maddox. Um, some of those division... Maybe he contributed to the division titles because, you know, you throw another starter like that and, you know, over 162 games, you're going to win more than anybody else in the division. But... Um, yeah, I, I can't really, I can't, I, I don't know. I, I Maybe maybe this bets thing will, will turn out to be, but none of the other big deals that we've seen in the past, would you say, 20 years since A-Rod have really, really panned out for anyone. Um, that, that's, uh, that's why I want to open it up to everybody, because yeah. without me doing any research, and I don't want to do a whole lot of research, I want to think off the top of my head, but th- this um, what, what you have here, um, certainly Reggie Jackson looks like the top. Certainly Pete Rose changed the mindset of the Phillies. They, they, they yeah. certainly needed his, yeah. his, his influence because yeah. um, I, I think with, without him, I don't think they win the World Series in 80, uh, or 80 or get to the World Series in 83. Yeah, they, they might not win a division. They certainly would have won. They wouldn't have beat the Astros. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but in game four, Rose scored – on a double to left field from first base to tie the game. That's when he hit Bochy yeah. in the forehead. Yeah. I mean, he willed himself into that plate. Yeah, and I, I don't hey, think those you know guys what? played like that. Let, let me deviate for a second in terms of Pete Rose, but I think at some future podcast we're going to need to talk about the fact that baseball is moving toward online yeah. um, gambling. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I just wonder, you know, you know, with Pete Rose and the reason why he's banned from baseball is because of gambling. And now baseball is moving toward that. Does this open the door for him? Um, right. But, you know, that, that'll be a, a, a conversation for another day. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah. So that, that was that, they were good baseball uh, history notes th- this time. Um, all right. What, what are you walking off with? So I, I, I think, first of all, it's a question um, to you, because. I believe it was in the last podcast. Um, you were reaching out to the mayor of Lancaster um, to endorse um, one of your, I guess, coworkers, former coworkers, possibly a friend, um, as police chief of, of Lancaster. And first of all, I just want to know how did the conversation go and what were the results of the conversation? So, yeah, I had the conversation with the mayor of Lancaster. Uh, her and I had about a 20-minute conversation over the phone. Um, I, I, it was funny when she called and I guess they went through, like, I, I don't know how they called it. It wasn't her just picking up the phone. It must've been someone that dialed, didn't answer me when I said hello three times. And then she chimed in saying, Hey, Mr. Burke, this is mayor. I can't pronounce her last name. I'm so bad at it. I apologize, Mrs. Mayor. But anyway, um, it almost reminded me of like the Rose, Pete Rose and Ronald Reagan thing when he broke Stan Usual's. <laughs> Sam Usual's record. What, what was that? Well, you remember when, remember when Reagan called Pete Rose that night, and they kept saying, "Please, Mr. Rose, please hold, Mr. Rose, please hold." And Rose said, "Yeah, I was going to give you a couple more minutes, and then we were going to hang up." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, nice. Um, nice reference. Yeah, so we we had a good conversation. I I just kind of explained um, you know, my, my relationship to John Bay, who's who as a chief and in, in the Air Force and. Um, my feelings on him about his leadership styles, his leadership abilities, 
his, his ability to, to get along with people. Um, I, and I told her I can't attest to his policing theory. I'm not, that's not my, you know, expertise, but you know, it, when you, I just think he's someone that would present well in the public as, as well, which as a police chief nowadays, you got to present yourself well in the public. The public's got to look like they trust you, right? The public's got to trust I you. Agree. So, um, and I think I say he's going to come across as a trustworthy person. And he is, I mean, but it doesn't matter what, you know, how you come across on TV is a little different than what you are normally. So, um, yeah, the conversation went well. We had a real nice, uh, and uh, he got the job. So uh, he starts de- December 7th, and um, I think they're going to have some sort of inauguration. I don't know if it's an inauguration appointment of some sort. Uh, he told me if, if they allowed it, uh, if they have it outside or whatever, he'll he'll shoot me a text and invite me. So Nice. Yeah, that'll so, be good. So I guess that kind of begs the question now. Are you the kingmaker in politics in Lancaster County? Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I feel like I, 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 I'm at the point now where I, I, I'm almost at the point now where I tell people to wear their damn mask. That that that's where I'm at with Lancaster County. So maybe I should, I, <laughs> I should involve myself a little bit more. Um, Hopefully. Well, I, I think you have some. I think you have some uh, political uh, favors that need to be uh, um, right. uh, divvied yeah. out. So uh, maybe maybe you can make that as part of the uh, the policy. I got some street cred. Me and the mayor. <laughs> Me and the mayor. Actually, there you I, go. I actually know the the fire chief as well. So yeah, I know both of them. Yeah. Well, uh, well, how about this? If I'm ever caught riding dirty in Lancaster County, I'll just <laughs> invoke your name, and I should be good. Drop my name. Let's see what happens, and then I'll I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up at the booking <laughs> after you get printed. <laughs> um, oh funny. my! The only other thing I wanted to walk off with is just to let uh, listeners know that uh, the next show that we do, we're we're probably looking um, between Christmas and New Year's. I'm going to send out a few questions for anybody that's interested, looking for some opinions. Anytime listeners have, owners have any topics that they want to, to, to discuss, um, please send them to me or tweet to uh, the Bush League One. Is that right? At the Bush League One, yes. At the Bush League One, yeah. You're, you're pretty active on, uh, on Twitter these days. Yeah, well, I have, I've had five days off. So I, <laughs> I, like, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And, and, and the next show we'll be talking about um, – Free agent moves, and um, I think we're going to have a, a segment on, on, on some of the uh, Baseball Hall of Famers. I think there's five or six of them that uh, had passed in 2020 and just talk about the, their careers and uh, what they've meant to baseball. Yeah. Um, what are you walking off with? Yeah, so you know, when, I, when I, we brought up this rooster wing thing and um, we, you know, we got some, got some hits on, on people uh, pushing, sending us names, I almost think like I think baseball is. I'm pretty sure of that. And I almost think like the baseball Hall of Fame voting and baseball Hall of Fame talk is trending toward. All right, this is this is a little math lesson for you people out there. Trending toward the transitive property of equality theory. So for those who don't Uh-oh. know what that is, is if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, right? And this is what I'm talking about. And I, I think this type of Hall of Fame 
comparisons lower the standard. So we'll go back to uh, the Ozzy Smith, Larry Boa thing, right? So if people in general think, well, if Smith is as good as Boa, or Boa is as good as Smith, then that lowers the standard a little bit. Do you see where I'm going with that? Um, no, I do. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at when I brought up Al Oliver, and I've said it earlier today, that um, when I said it earlier today, that Al Oliver shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, right? Um, I, I understand that. N- nor should Bill Madlock. But that type of thinking will lower the standard because in the – what happens with – now you have Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame. Larry Walker – in the Hall of Fame is a problem. Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame is a problem because all he's in there because he was compared to someone else. If you look at the the, the three guys we brought up today, Pinson, Damon, and Oliver, all have better stats than Larry Walker. All of them. And Larry Walker's um, Larry Walker's batting averages between 94 and 2004 were way skewed. And I think you would agree with me, Jamie, that they're way skewed because of at least a steroid thing. And I'm not saying he did steroids, but in that era, there was something wrong with that baseball as well. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talked about that. I absolutely agree with you. I think players have to be compared in in terms and relative to their era. Yeah. And, And that's why sometimes when I look at their stats, I look at how many times they led the league in something. Because it shows a comparison, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think, and, I, I, and I'm just as much of a problem, I think that when I start bringing up like Madlock and, and Oliver, I'm really lowering the standard. I really think it, that, that standard in, in hitting, and I know other people are into these other statistical analysis of, of war and, and FIP and everything else, but <laughs> – I mean, three thousand hits is a standard, man. That if you get to, if you get the three thousand hits, that's a number that you, you 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 can't unjustify. You can't say yeah, but, right? And that, that, that and that's what I that's what I think it should go. My thinking should go back to is a harder numbered system instead of trying to. I think you mentioned about justify their, you know, people justify their opinions by looking at different type of stats to to justify why they think that person should be in the Hall of Fame. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a really good um, argument. And, and any time you can use the transitive property outside of the discussion um, with Bill or, or Tom, <laughs> um, I, I love that. So you, you hit a proverbial home run with that. Yeah. Um, now I just need a Hall of Fame ballot and to control that group. That's my next goal in life. To try to infiltrate the Hall of Fame balloting. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Maybe next time what we can do, um, because I think the Hall of Fame class is announced mid-January. Maybe if there's time on the next podcast, we can talk about um, who is actually on the ballot. First timers and then people that had got enough votes to, to continue to be on the ballot. But we can, we can talk through that. All right. Uh, you got anything else? No, just, you know what, everybody just, just stay safe. As Rod says, you know, wear a mask or also have the chief uh, of police of Lancaster out after you. Um, enjoy the holidays, and we'll, we'll catch you on the next podcast in about a month. All right, buddy. 
Talk to you later. All right. Take, take care, Chief.